It's Monday. It's August 16th. And the word of the day is amphibology, which means a phrase or sentence that's grammatically ambiguous. For example, Donald Trump wants to see more of his daughter than his wife. <laughs> there, yeah, in a there it is. Amphibology. That's that's a neat factoid, Heath, but whoever coined that word really fucked over frog science, right? Mm, maybe they did it as a revenge <laughs> for what frog science did to herpes? All right, no, what? fair. I'm no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Madison Cawthorn puts his foot in his mouth because what the fuck else is he going to do with him? Okay, nutters will switch to something easier to pronounce than hydroxychloroquine. And Mike Lindell has a symposium about proof that is quadruple absolute. <laughs> but first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow skeptic rats, No Illusions, and Eli Bosnick. Gentlemen, question. Crokinole is the best game. I mean, it a, even uh, has good drinking game rules. Come on! Uh, okay, so good. So, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Crokinole is like a less athletic version of curling. Yeah, that's my wheelhouse. Like, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of tennis, no, ping I, pong. Yeah, way better. I, I, I do that athletic. in a very good way. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, during our week together, Heath had a montage where he destroyed all of us at it. So Picking up chickens, playing crokinole. Yeah. It was fun. It was a good week. All right. In our lead story tonight, Mike Lindell is still alive. Aww. Somehow, he's still alive. His heart did not explode from a crack residue embolism breaking loose. <laughs> and... He did a thing again, using his net worth of approximately negative $1.2 billion, depending on the outcome of some lawsuits that are <laughs> going forward. He organized a three-day cyber symposium last week in order to <laughs> symposium all the cyber stuff, something, <laughs> something. Donald Trump is president yep. now. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted to go high profile with this one, so he held the event in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, oh which yeah. is, I mean, that's the Sheboygan of South Dakota. It's a big <laughs> deal. And this symposium went so goddamn badly. It went badly like for Mike Lindell. Right. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, Mike and we know where the standard is. Yeah, where it begins. Okay, I I'm going to forgive you eventually because this whole story is one of my favorite goddamn things that ever happened. But it like, but Mike Lindell is still alive. That's the most depressing opening this segment has had since the Monday after Trump was elected, dude. You don't need to do that. Yeah, and while we're pointing things out, I resent that you implied that Mike Lindell has more blood than crack in his veins. So <laughs> get it together. Yeah, maybe he had a blood embolism pop loose in his crack stream. <laughs> yes, crack stream. There you go. <laughs> so the symposing, actually, it started with a win, sort of. So instead of phonetically shouting out the Latin term quo warranto several different ways at the beginning, Lindell got on stage and said a sentence with entirely English words that the audience could understand. And, uh, well, that's the end of the winning because that sentence, that English sentence was exact words. We need to get the word out because they blocked the thing. What? That's it. <laughs> they blocked the thing. That was his thesis state <laughs> they blocked the thing a, no i'm so okay look we're talking about people who freely confess to being confused by pronouns i get it like nouns fuck them right up right? sure 
<laughs> They're amateurs by comparison. <laughs> so from there, Lindell did a quick intro segment. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like, uh, hello, South Dakota. I'd like to start by, and we got hacked. Yep. We got hacked. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the entire streaming platform got hacked. Fuck. Really long pause while he thinks about what to do. Fuck. <laughs> and that's when he announced that 40 million people were tuned in really? for his symposium. They yeah. were not. They were yeah. not. Especially because, you know, the stream was broken. <laughs> yeah. But also just no, that absolutely too, yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Either way, he didn't quite hit his prediction from last month of doing better than the 1973 Elvis Presley concert from Hawaii that had about a billion people watching hmm. worldwide. Billion. Wow. So he predicted a billion. So Lindell's handpicked comparison is the famously misogynistic guy who got famous by stealing black people's songs, playing a concert in the geographical <laughs> symbol of American imperialism. That's correct. Woof. Yep. Yeah. Woof but indeed. But also a weirdly dated touchstone. Well, right? yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to be bigger than Kublai Khan's second wedding. You guys remember that, right? <laughs> oh boy. So eight veils. They danced eight veils. <laughs> One of the big headliners, besides obviously Lindell, was Eduardo Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil. Son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave Lindell a ceremonial gift in the form of a MAGA hat. According to Eddie Boltz, the son of the president of Brazil, the hat was signed by Donald Trump and definitely not my aide doing a random scribble with Sharpie at the last minute right behind the curtain here. So... Uh, clearly a lie, just so obviously a lie. But more importantly, when you're getting a red trucker hat handed to you like a fucking Hattori Hanzo sword that he just made, <laughs> you're an idiot. It's yeah. the saddest little moment. And again, it's from the sun. Jair Bolsonaro clearly made Eduardo go, and Eddie was in a snit the whole time. He's like, here's your fucking hat. I don't know. Oh, sorry, Heath. I know we're supposed to make jokes about this part, but I was just struck by the sheer <laughs> truckloads of money we could make by selling fake signed MAGA hats that confirm QAnon <laughs> on eBay. So much money. All right. Just uh, going to set something up really quick. So <laughs> here's the big revelation. Nope, no revelation. But according to Lindell, he has 37 terabytes of information about voter fraud. And I was, I was rooting so hard for him to explain what he thinks that means. Yeah, me too. But no, doesn't happen. I guess some of that data was supposed to be represented by a projector image of the U.S. map with just random colors and numbers and absolutely no explanation. He was just like, red, 752, yep. That's it. That's it. He's just yep. pointing randomly at stuff. And if he had about, I don't know, a hundred million more maps, I guess that's like 37 terabytes ballpark. Regardless, he issued a challenge to go with all that data. He offered $5 million to anyone who could disprove his information, but only if they showed up in person. So a bunch of reporters showed up in person and started asking questions that might have won that bet. And Lindell just completely panicked and ran away and yep. he wouldn't take any yep. interviews the right the story of mike lindell learning what evidence means by process of elimination is the epic <laughs> tragedy i never knew i needed right because he just keeps bringing shit out he's like 
No, this not this either, huh? This is okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all we need is for him to stab his eye out with brooches when he's presented with exit polls, and we'll be all <laughs> full circle. So the rest of the event was mostly aborted sentence fragments from Lindell about all the amazing absolute proof that was coming up. And as you know, if you watched four hours of his film work, <laughs> that means whatever's coming up doesn't come up. It never actually happens. A reporter from Salon actually walked over to the side of the stage and took a picture of a clock that was timing the segments to theoretically keep the schedule going. But Lindell just kept stammering out phraselets and the clock just kept resetting to eight minutes and counting down again. They didn't use it. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe that's like the like Trumpian Miss Havisham clock that he's had going ever since, uh, you know, the day before. Biden's inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got Oedipus. We got great expectations. We are earning that New York Times mention today, people. Right? Yeah. Earning it. <laughs> <laughs> We're very cultured podcasters. <laughs> my, my parents are really proud. And just a few other highlights. One speaker told the media, you need to stop fact-checking this and report it. <laughs> just, oh, my God. Just mwah. That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> we also got several aggressive implosions by Mike Lindell. One reporter brought a world leader in election cybersecurity, and the reporter just kept asking to, you know, see the raw data so his expert could do something with it. And Lindell was like, no, then you corrupt the data and make fun of me. And the reporter's like, but... We're, we're making fun of you now. Yeah, we were going to do that anyway. <laughs> happening. It's probably happening either way. Also, not how data works. Nope. You'd still have... You would still We can't have just them. add stuff to it without you... <laughs> anyway, but the, the best one happened right after a federal court ruled that the $1.3 billion lawsuit by Dominion Voting against Lindell and the Kraken lawyers would be proceeding. Yep. That news came out right in the middle of this symposium. And when it came out, Lindell literally ran off the stage in a huff and disappeared behind the curtain. He sure did. And here's my favorite part. Better than that. I, I think this might even be better than that, just all in right. terms of summing it all up. So this happened on the first day, but it's so perfect in summing it up. I had to save it. At the end of the first day, Lindell's producer, Brandon Howes, was taking questions, and a reporter from Salon asked him, do you think day one was a win for Lindell? <laughs> and House took a really long pause. And he says, it's a three-day event. <laughs> we can still win on the majority of those, okay? It's just a, it's yeah. a World Series. Spoiler, no, you can't. Just for the record, that exchange got way more depressing after day it three. Really it was three days of nothing. The, the, the nothing never, it, nothing ever happened. He had this projector. He's just showing like his laptop screen with random shit. Nothing, nothing happened. So look for Lindell doing, I don't know, a Farnsworth quote on Cameo. <laughs> and speaking of things you can spend your money on, let's toss things over to our first sponsor this week, Policy Genius. Come on, just let me smell them. Sorry, Heath, not till you do what needs to be done. Oh, hey, guys. Good. What's with the cage full of burritos? Oh, hey, Noah. Heath won't go to policygenius.com, so I'm showing him just what he's missing. What's policygenius.com? Policygenius.com makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have, but... 
at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. That's 178 Chipotle burritos. Oh, they look so good. Just let me have one from the top. Just Not one. until you go compare your rates. I don't even know how to do that. Well, good question, Heath. Getting started is easy. First, head to PolicyGenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then, PolicyGenius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. If they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. That does sound easy. So, where do I go? Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Okay, I'm going to get my laptop. Noah, Noah, don't touch my burritos while I'm gone. Don't touch them. I don't know, Keith. Noah looks awful hungry. I'm typing. I'm typing right now. I'm going to be done in a second. And we're back. Next up in headlines, in Cawthorn of Plenty News, North Carolina congressman and guy who really should have looked into how Hitler felt about paraplegics before he became such a fan, Madison Cawthorn took to the internet to give his opinion on literature this week, tweeting, 1984 is a great fiction novel to read. Oh, fiction novel. It's a great fiction novel to read. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's but what else would he do with this, I wonder? <laughs> yep. Not for eating, apparently. But it seems like it is becoming the reality we are all currently living under more and more each day. And tweet. Not adding, my favorite part was turning the pages and how the words go from left to right. <laughs> I can too read I'm Madison Cawthorn. I read a book with a woman. I did. I read a book with a real woman. It was a Canadian author. You wouldn't know her. I- <laughs> Like he said, oh yeah, no, that one I read. The, there was the terrifying villain, Big Brother, and the the intrepid hero. Little Don't say little brother. brother. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, aside from sounding like a space alien who didn't study enough for his first human pop quiz, many have pointed out that um, all novels are fiction. Yep, that's sure what are. that word. Means. That's what yep. that means. Yep. Pretty sure and all novels what? are to read. As well. So does does he? He's read a nonfiction novel, like yeah. in his head. Has well, he done that? So here's my theory. I think Cawthorn thinks novel means thick book. Yep. And yep. he was clarifying that he knew it was pretend with his tweet. Not a comic book. Not the 1984 <laughs> issue of a comic book. I meant a book. Not the, the menu at the Long John Silver's. That doesn't count. <laughs> but. As the Huffington Post points out, Cawthorn is actually just the latest in a series of Republicans to compare Joe Biden's America to 1984. Quote, in January, after Trump was banned from Twitter for inciting the mob that ransacked the U.S. Capitol, his son, Donald Trump Jr., declared, we are living in Orwell's 1984. Free speech no longer exists in America. And last month, Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado announced The only thing Orwell got wrong was the year, shortly after tweeting about the Biden administration's effort to block vaccine misinformation and support local officials who implement mandatory vaccines to protect constituents from COVID-19. And quote. Right. Like, you're the ones with the disinformation. This is literally the opposite (laughs) of Orwell's. This is 4891. It's the fucking (laughs) countermeasure. Okay. If we invent a time machine... I'm going back in time 
to get George Orwell personally just to have him side tackle everyone who uses his <laughs> shit wrong. <laughs> and you know what? I'm getting Heisenberg for the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm going back. Maybe even Ponzi while you're back there. Yeah. Is I know it- that's a weird use for a time machine, but I think it's a really good, like, maybe my first priority. Was there a Mr. Literally? Because I want to get him, too. <laughs> yeah. So as the child of an English teacher, it's obvious what we need here is some experiential learning. It's obvious that these Republicans aren't engaging with the material of 1984 because they aren't being engaged by it. So important. And that's why I would like to volunteer to consensually, not a crime heath, don't cut this from the podcast, put a cage full of rats on Madison Cawthorn's head. (laughs) (laughs) So that he can understand the material. (laughs) Representative Cawthorn, get at me. I will provide both cage and rats. You may tweet about it as much as you like afterwards. And then we'll get Nick Cage to play him with the bees thing instead oh, of the rats. So we could we could put him in front of two doors. One is 101, one is 102. We'd be like, you know, you read the book, right? You know which door not to go into, right? right? Do it to Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> and in DeSantisterium news tonight. The scariest thing about Ron DeSantis is not the fact that he's decided his chances of winning the presidency in 2024 go up every time he kills a Floridian. It's the fact that he's right. Yep. If you still haven't purged all the maggots from your social media, you may have noticed the way that they're fawning over DeSantis, specifically when he rails against the scourge of communist mask mandates and fascist vaccine requirements. And that's why Florida is now second only to Louisiana in new COVID cases per capita. Uh, by the way, the other states in the top five are Mississippi, Arkansas, and Alabama. I don't know if there's a relationship there. Maybe the, there's a supercomputer down at the CDC that could find one if they plugged us all in. <laughs> yeah, so lots of dead people here in Florida, but I believe it was George Orwell who said, Ow! What the fuck? You just tackled me. <laughs> DeSantis is just trying other methods. He does a couple public hangings. No? Okay, just the COVID thing. All right. Easier. Okay. Easier. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so with his political capital apparently entirely dependent on his credibility as a crusader against public health, DeSantis has issued a number of dictatorial fiats against common sense measures, uh, like his ill-fated attempt to bar cruise lines from requiring proof of vaccination that sunk the second a court had a chance to weigh in on it. But his latest scandal involves an even stupider and somehow apparently less legal executive order to bar schools from imposing mask mandates for staff and students on the grounds that universal masking, quote, lacks a well-grounded scientific justification. Does it now? Yeah, what but would we, those words mean to you? Well, yeah, apparently the party of abstinence, only sex ed, and intelligent design is all about well-grounded scientific justification. <laughs> yeah, and apparently they're also about government overreach all of a sudden to overrule basic math. Yeah. I believe it was George Orwell who said <laughs> that... Okay, he's on board this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> he said, don't do that. Don't it's overrule basically. It's not a visual medium, but George Orwell's in the corner just like cheersing Heath with some punch right now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. My favorite of DeSantis's failures is right after Disney declared their vaccine and mask mandates, he made a speech about how he was going to overturn it. And then someone very obviously like went into his office and squeezed one of his aides' heads until it exploded and explained to him who the real governor of the state was. And he has literally never spoken about the Disney Corporation since. He made one speech and he was like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'll be shutting the fuck up. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Mickey Mouse kicked the shit out of him. (laughs) Pretty much. Now, of course... 
mandating 4,269 super spreader events five days a week in your state is fucking nuts. So a lot of school boards ignored DeSantis's order and issued mask requirements anyway. And that led a petulant DeSantis to issue a statement last Monday threatening financial consequences to the districts that defied him. According to the statement, quote, For example, the State Board of Education could move to withhold the salary of the district superintendent or school board members, end quote, which is not a thing he can. That's slavery, man. You can't do that. (laughs) And, And even his office begrudgingly admitted as much just as soon as the statewide polling came in heavily favoring mask requirements in schools. Okay, I got an idea. Maybe when Walker, Texas Ranger, is done manhunting Democratic state legislators. <laughs> he can head over to Florida from Texas and roundhouse kick some teachers in the face or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Can't not pay public servants because they have refused to kill kids. All right. All right. New announcement. I will stand backwards at all the ribbon cuttings. You will never get a good picture. <laughs> never. There you go. So ultimately, the only thing DeSantis accomplished with his showboating, child-sacrificing theatrics was allowing a series of his political opponents a chance to dunk on him. Right. It's like so several school superintendents were offered a chance to publicly declare that the safety of the children in their charge was more important to them than any darn salary, even knowing the latter was never in any real danger. And then Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona rebuked DeSantis's move publicly before committing that the federal government would make up for any financial consequences DeSantis managed to mete out. Uh, and then Biden used his nonsensical threats as a centerpiece for an address that pointed out that damn near one in three new cases of covid in the fucking country come out of either. Florida or Texas. And uh, Biden summed up his message to DeSantis and like-minded governors, by the way, by saying, quote, if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. You guys can all snap and sway in the back. Science is going <laughs> to sing solo and win this regional for us. You just get out of the fucking way. Okay. How much do you suck when Joe Biden is lecturing you about standing in the way of progress? That man has a list of old timey slurs at the top of his speeches he's not supposed to use. And he's like, you're making us look bad, guys. Okay, boomers, get the fuck out of the way. I'm Joe Biden. And look, this whole rebellion against masks is reaching levels of batshittery that are difficult for a sane person to fathom. The, the schools in my local area, in my county, reopened with no mask mandates the week before last, closed up six days later because 11% of the student body was exposed to COVID. Oopsies. Yeah, 11% of the students in their charge are now quarantined. But the lingering Trumpians are so dead set against the easiest, most obvious mitigating strategy that when a North Carolina school board voted to require masks conservative nutjobs led by madison fucking cawthorn by the way disrupted the school board meeting forced it into recess then according to the Asheville citizen times quote over and they had the word overthrew in quote but overthrew the board and instated themselves as the new leaders of the county's public education <laughs> system end quote what? they just up and fucking rebelled they're like i have the hammer now that's magic right <laughs> So I guess the point is that if you want a signature weapon for the post-apocalyptic era, you really need to start working on it now. Ooh, ooh, dibs on big swingy spike ball guy. I don't think that's the right one for you, man. There's a lot of <laughs> sling. Okay. And speaking you're of heavy the inevitable. Set, it's gotta, you need the ball. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. And speaking of the inevitable collapse of society, it's time for a word from our second sponsor this week, IP Vanish. Oh, 
Okay, so Dove is three ninety nine, but Irish Spring is only two ninety nine. Interesting. Mm, interesting huh. indeed. Hey, uh, who are you? Oh, I'm I'm your social media. You're my social media. Why are you looking over my shoulder? What? Well, I- <laughs> I follow you wherever you go on the internet, dude. Anywhere you're logged in using my service. Plus, I buy and compare your metadata from all the places you're not logged in using me. This is just the first time you've noticed. Here, have a soap ad. Uh, okay. This is just a, it's a little intrusive. Is there a way I can stop this? You could get IP Vanish. Oh, what's IP Vanish? IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is an important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. You can use a VPN on your computer, tablet, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. What you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever it is you're doing. Okay, not sure I can afford a virtual private, uh, whatever you just said. It just, it seems fancy and probably expensive. Actually, for listeners to this show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off their annual plan, somehow equal to six months free. Wow, equal to six months, 65% equal to six months of the year. Eight, yes, that's what the copy says. Huh. IP Vanish is super easy to use. You turn it on with a click of a button, and it runs seamlessly in the background, helping to protect you while you're browsing the web. And if you do run into problems, no worries. IP Vanish has 24-7 support available by email, chat, and telephone. All right, social media, where do I sign up? Just go to ipvanish.com slash skeptocrat to claim your 65% savings. Their annual plan is just $44.99 for the first year with our exclusive discount. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotion, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash skeptocrat to get your deal and start protecting yourself online. Thanks, social media. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go incognito for a moment here, if you don't mind, you know, taking off for a second. Uh, sometimes I follow you when you do that, too. Yikes. Y- your yikes? No, my yikes. Both of our yikes. And we're back. Next up in headlines, we have some surprising new medical data. Turns out that a drug used mostly for treating parasitic worms in horses has not proven to also be a miracle cure and vaccine replacement for humans worried about COVID-19. That drug is called ivermectin, and it is approved by the FDA for certain uses in humans too, but definitely not for treatment or prevention of COVID. And one of the biggest studies in support of ivermectin just got outed for being full of very, very obvious lying, like super duper obvious, shocking, obvious, obvious, obvious. Lying. Yeah, for fuck's sake, like the only way we're going to get our vaccination rates high enough is to name one of the vaccines the COVID cure doctors don't want you to know about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we need so, to do that. That's such a good ad campaign. <laughs> so, just for the record, they will actually take experimental drugs, just not the ones we've proven will be helpful. To them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yes. That's exactly correct. So, Just in case anyone isn't familiar, ivermectin is an anti-parasitic drug, not an antiviral drug. So with the V in COVID standing Mm. for virus, that gives you a clue of where this story might be going. Ivermectin, it's kind of like hydroxychloroquine part two. It's being touted by many of the same terrible sources, often with claims about a global conspiracy to shut down ivermectin in order to sell more COVID vaccines. That being said, 
It's not exactly the same level of wrong as hydroxychloroquine, at least not yet. So far, there have been a few studies with some positive preliminary results, which is exactly why medical experts like the people at the CDC and the FDA and the WHO, they're all saying we don't recommend this unproven usage of ivermectin at the moment, but we are in favor of further testing. They're very publicly calling for more research, which is kind of the opposite of shutting it down in a secret conspiracy. If you think about it, yeah. But, but if it worked at all, why wouldn't Big Parasite have already shut it down to sell more fucking parasite <laughs> treatments, right? Now I'm picturing a giant tapeworm on the phone with the president. Just <laughs> <laughs> So things were looking even better for ivermectin as of November 2020 when Dr. Ahmed Elgazar from Benha University in Egypt published a pretty large-scale study that found very good results in reducing COVID mortality rates. And that study has been cited heavily by proponents of ivermectin ever since. Turns out that was based on nothing. Read lying, most likely. This was first uncovered by Jack Lawrence, a medical student in London, who noticed that the intro section of that study was very clearly plagiarized. Apparently, they took entire blocks of text from ivermectin websites and used a thesaurus to slightly change the wording. In one example, the phrase severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS, got changed to extreme intense respiratory syndrome. Oh, no! Nice. They're so stupid. They last second book reported a medical paper? They sure did. Jesus. And and that's how we know that person immunodeficiency microbes cause collected immune deficiencies. Condition. Condition, yeah. I just want to say extreme intense respiratory syndrome sounds like the opening lyrics to an anime credits. I can't be bothered to watch dub. Extreme intense respiratory syndrome. Everyone's running on a mountain. <laughs> so, Jack Lawrence also found giant contradictions inside the raw data. The authors of the Elgazar study claimed it was done on 18 to 80-year-olds, but using birthdays and also a special type of math called minusing, <laughs> Lawrence found that multiple patients in the data set were under 18. The study also said it was conducted between June 8th and September 20th of 2020. But most of the patients who died were admitted to the hospital and passed away before June 8th. Also, according to the data set, one patient left the hospital on June 31st what? of 2020. And uh, so, yeah, that day is not a thing. Nope, that's day. not a day. We don't have that day. Also, instead of paper, it was printed on a wombat placenta. Like, how do you <laughs> fuck it up this bad? Okay, but what I love about this is that we are just constantly being told that, like, big pharma is covering up deaths and lying to us to, so they can fill us with experimental, untested drugs. But literally every time anyone has actually ever tried to do this in history, they're like, Eight million people took the drug on June Lee the 43rd, and by October 21st, they were alive again. I'm Andrew Wakefield. Just get an editor. It's so easy. Get Jack Lawrence, but like right, a yeah, stupid but evil version. Jack like an Lawrence. Evil Jack yes. Lawrence, yeah. There's, they have to exist. Yeah, and it gets even worse. So Lawrence got some help from... Yeah, it really does. It really does. Lawrence got some help from Dr. Gideon Meyerowitz-Katz, 
an epidemiologist, and also Nick Brown, a data analyst who specializes in reviewing scientific papers for mistakes. And those experts found that at least 79 patient records are obvious clones of other records that support the use of ivermectin, and they added extra ones in. And to make it worse, those clones had clear signs of just a little bit of doctoring with one or two fields changed in the spreadsheet in order to look a little bit more natural. <laughs> According to Dr. Myrowitz katz the data appears to be, quote, just totally faked. He also noted that the Elgazar study is one of the largest out there, and its inclusion in meta-analyses, quote, hugely skews the evidence in favor of ivermectin. And if you take away that one study... Most meta-analyses with positive results for ivermectin would flip to negative. Yeah, and to be clear, this is being presented as an alternative to the fake drug that unethical, profit-driven researchers are lying to you about, right? <laughs> yep. So, ah, okay, fun story. I recently spoke with a very close friend who's taking ivermectin instead of getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. This conversation did not go great. Wasn't great. Wasn't a fun conversation. In the same breath, he claimed a conspiracy by all the doctors of the world to ban ivermectin. And also, same breath, mentioned that he is paying $80 a month to buy ivermectin. Jesus. Unfortunately for me, I hadn't gone down this whole rabbit hole yet. So I didn't have all this stuff you just heard in my pocket during that phone call. But I immediately just guessed that there might be a couple flaws to his autodidactic epidemiology research that he claims to have done. Turns out my guess was absolutely correct. So three big takeaways. One, there's no reason to believe ivermectin is going to be much help at the moment and definitely not compared to a COVID vaccine. Two, if you find yourself in that same argument, now you have a little bit of ammo. So go ahead and use that. Do the best you can. I don't know how to change these people's minds, but maybe information. Probably not, but put it out there. And three, don't get on the phone with Heath and tell him you're using ivermectin instead of getting a vaccine because then he'll have to spend two hours of his otherwise lovely retreat yelling about data and basic logic in a conversation that somehow ended in, no, the Fed is not a fucking Ponzi scheme. I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up the phone. I'm hanging up the phone. You started off saying you spoke with a close friend. I'm like, yeah, he's sugarcoating it a bit. (laughs) No, I'm sure he'll react to this data super well and like admit he was wrong and change his mind. But but yeah, more importantly, if we're doing headlines about when our stupid friends are wrong, can I do you have to break up with her? You're almost 30 on the next show because I really <laughs> no, no. I, I know who you're talking about. So, yes, <laughs> outvoted Noah outvoted. Sorry. OK. All right. And in loud and smelly news, in the words of Robert Pickering Burnham. Can anyone shut the fuck up about any single thing? Can anyone shut the fuck up about any single thing? Can anyone shut the fuck up about any single thing? No, which is why this week a variety of celebrities let us know that they're crazy people who don't watch their bodies every day. Okay, every day? I feel like that's excessive. Every oh, day? Oh, no. Are you going a, every day? It depends on how you are. I don't even see people are, every day. Yeah, right. No, that's silly. <laughs> okay. So when I see people, I do it. I, it's like, you know, to be not, but come on, every day. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Relax. So this revelation began when actor Jake Gyllenhaal, who, side note, spells his name like a third grader, got to choose the letters and the order they were yeah. in. 
It definitely has like a thinly veiled <laughs> anagram feel to it, doesn't it? 100%, yeah. So that guy said to Vanity Fair, quote, more and more I find bathing to be less necessary at times. I do believe, because Elvis Costello is wonderful, that good manners and bad breath get you nowhere, so I do what? that. But I also think that there's a whole world of not bathing that is also really helpful for skin maintenance, and we naturally clean ourselves, end quote. Important note, the interview in which he said this was to promote a new cologne. <laughs> Everybody, this is Jake Gyllenhaal to present Elon Musk by Tesla. And he's like, I don't bathe. Cut. Cut. <laughs> by the way, best anagram I could come up with was legally Han. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Right, so this revelation led the tabloids to remind us that skipping showers seems to be a bit of a trend with parents in Hollywood. Celebrity couples Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, as well as Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, have both said publicly that they only bathe their children when they start to stink, which is a stomach-churning reminder that brilliant actresses Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis are married to Dax fucking Shepard and Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> I think about that every day. All the time I'm thinking about that ridiculous pairing you just made. I think about that more than I shower, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> well, so, like, I actually kind of need a shower every time I think about Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, like, afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's how, exactly how often I there. shower. So. so does she. Of course, some celebs have gone the opposite direction with future president Dwayne The Rock Johnson <laughs> tweeting, quote, Nope, I'm the opposite of a not-washing-themselves celeb. Shower cold when I roll out of bed to get my day rolling. Shower warm after my workout before work. Shower hot after I get home from work. Face wash, body wash, exfoliate, and then, I assume because he realized he had just told the world he treats his body like authentic Corinthian fucking leather, he added, <laughs> and I sing off-key in the shower. Soap emoji, music emoji, end quote. <laughs> All right, well, now I'm going to think about Dwayne Johnson showering way more than I shower. <laughs> yeah. So, gentlemen, obviously, inquiring minds want to know, after all, we are New York Times mentioned podcast, so we're pretty much it's celebrities at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's yeah. your bathing routine and why is it once a day with products I researched for too long on Amazon and whenever okay. Lucinda tells me to respectively? It's not, it's, every day is excessive. I'm just going to repeat that. Also, I spent the right amount of time on the research. I take it seriously. <laughs> and uh, a fun fact, if you shake with enough anger, the dirt vibrates off. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Right off. And finally tonight, in warning demographic content news, we're going <laughs> to close off on a bit of a feel-good story. America has fewer white people in it. Ooh. That's right. According to newly released data from the 2020 census, for the first time in its history, the U.S. has fewer white people in it than it had during the previous census. Uh, the, the country also saw its second slowest rate of growth in national history behind only the greatly depressed 1930s, which strikes me as welcome news to our international listeners as well. Yeah, it looks like white culture and unregulated capitalism might start working themselves out in payroll. And... White conservatives are panicking. They're like playing the violin, uh, doing covers of Toby Keith while the Titanic's almost burning. <laughs> you gotta love right. this. 
They're right. so terrified. Yeah, well, yeah, so the long fear demographic shift that, let's face it, is 100% of the reason that Trump supporters exist in large enough numbers to matter politically, continued to push America towards majority-minority status. Uh, whites are still the majority, but at just 57.8% of the population, they've never represented a smaller amount of it. We're, we're down 8.6% just since the last census. And for the first time since it became a U.S. state, California's largest ethnic group is Hispanic at 39.4%. Uh, Texas damn near tipped over as well. It's 39.7% uh, non-Hispanic white, 39.3% Hispanic. But when you consider how much shit the Trump administration did to try to undercount and scare off undocumented workers and their relatives, there's a good chance that Texas has a Hispanic plurality as well. Yeah. And they're all in one voting district. That's so right? weird. Somehow, <laughs> that computer mapping program got a nat 20 on white power and it's just yeah. one Hispanic one. Yeah, but you if go. you want to read the electoral map, you have to be able to see in five dimensions. It's a real drag. You got to. Yeah, right. It's like, Any of y'all know how to draw a pen on a flat map? Yeah. <laughs> of course, not all the news out of the census is good. Uh, speaking of. Uh, districting, we learned in April that three of the six states gaining seats in the House are pretty solidly red, including Texas, which is gaining two, and only one of the states losing a House seat is. And just in case you were worried there was no bad news for the environment, the areas seeing the highest rates of population growth are suburban. Uh, people also are continuing the long trend of moving from the Midwest and Northeast to the West and South, where they'll be way more likely to use air conditioning 362 days of the year. But still, Seems like a small price to pay for fewer white people. Oh, man. If a <laughs> supervillain invents a giant remote that turns everyone's central air up to 74, all the white people will be dead in a week. We'll get them all. Up to? God, what the fuck is wrong with you people? If you ever walked outside at <laughs> 78 degrees and you're going, oh, wow, it's a little warm out here. Fucking yes. no. Yeah, I keep it at 70, 80. It. 70 is the rule. 70. You're Jesus Christ. terrible for the environment. You're not woke. <laughs> and on that note, it's not real. We're going to close it out. None of thanks to real. No Illusions. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like John Doe, Katie Hill, Tiago Guimaraes, 124MM10, Derek Ratliff, R. Roberts, Sarah Hamby, Sarah N. Wilson, Kendall Dion, Hugh Borg, Ziet Sma, Melissa C., Hillary Jill, Von Stein, Austin, Katie Stuck, Don Ford, voice of fantasy and adventure. There he is. Kind of late to be finally. That's yeah, fine. Fuck Don. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of thought he was. That's fine. Donate when you want. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Also, Moxin Brittlebane, David Lang, Michael Messersmith, Jolene, Princess of Power, and Chris M., whose beautiful dicks and vaginas and Calipigian bottoms make the rockin' world go round. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher, all those other podcast apps, or the deep web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign-off. Fed is not a Ponzi scheme. <laughs>
So can I tell you guys a quick story real, uh, real quick, maybe that uh, the patrons could possibly be interested in before we do ads? Sure. Hey, Noah, do you have any like fun anecdotes? Yeah, right no, now? I've got a fun <laughs> anecdote. So I meant to tell you guys this story when we were recording for Scathing. I had been saving it for that. So I, on my flight home from Jersey, I get on the airplane and there's a little kid sitting in my seat. Hmm. Oh, did you kick him out really hard? Well, yeah. I mean, the whole you're in my seat thing is so much aw- more awkward when it's like a seven-year-old girl. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't know where her seat is. I would just sit in her fucking seat, but I don't know where it is, you know? Right. So I got to I have to do the whole, uh, <laughs> but it's a little kid. So I like, I do my little kid voice. I'm like, oh my goodness. It looks like you're in my seat. Where the fuck is your dad? Because there's oh. no parent anywhere. Who's near. your adult? There's, I need your right, adult now. Right. There's nobody in the seat in front of her. Like, like the two seats in front of her and the two seats are behind her are, are empty at this point. So I'm like, who? Wh- where the fuck is the adult that goes to you? You know, did she <laughs> stepped off to use the bathroom during boarding? What the hell? And so, you know, I'm like, uh oh. And she goes, oh, uh, uh, dad. And like two seats up, two rows up. Her dad turns back and he goes, oh, is that your seat? And I'm like, yeah, man, if you're in 14A and she's in 15B, that ain't going to be two goddamn rows behind you. <laughs> you fucking, you're just trying to put distance between, you know she's a pain in the ass is what it is. <laughs> you were hoping I wouldn't say anything. But then for the rest of the flight, she kept turning to me and asking me shit and asking me for shit, asking me what that is out her window and everything is. Because like we were buddies by then, I guess, at that point. And also I was easier to get the attention of than her dad from the entire fucking flight. <laughs> dad! Dad! Fuck it, I'm going with this guy. <laughs> End of the story, Noah kidnapped a child, right? Yeah, that's no, his, exactly. That's his exactly. kid now. Absolutely. Like, obviously, I, you know, she wasn't getting all the, the love and care that she needed by from that guy. We, we worked out a deal at the um, when we landed. <laughs> oh, God, if you look at the COVID numbers, though, she didn't have long to laugh, to, to, to go anyway, right? Yeah, like, exactly. She's going back to, to Georgia, so... She was, uh, uh, Florida. I was flying, oh, back, even to, there I was you flying go. back to Jacksonville, like the worst of Florida. If she had tried to wear a mask, the governor would have snatched it off her face <laughs> when she landed. <laughs> right. Maybe Big Axe. I feel like Big Axe is better for you. You can't accidentally swing a big axe back at yourself as easily. Well, maybe when you're, you can't do, you can't have two sides, right? You have to have a single-sided axe. Yeah. Like maybe, well, a, ooh, how about a halberd? Ooh, love it. What's a halberd? Look it up. I think I think that's I think that's the right one for you. It's Gotta like attack a little people axe. with a fish. It's like an axe spear. Check out James Lindsay. He'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright twenty twenty one. All rights reserved.